What's going on, everyone? It's Rich here. We're back on The Rich Webster Show. I got a great episode planned today. Really excited about this one. I teased this on a previous episode. This episode is called Lessons from $10,000 of Coaching with Chris Doe. And if you don't know who Chris Doe is, he is my business coach. I've been working with him for over two years now. And uh, the point of this episode is that I actually went back through my notes of the last nine sessions that I've done with him. I listened to the replays and I extracted some of the insights, the key lessons and things that I felt were really, really valuable from these coaching lessons. And I want to share them with all of you for free. So hopefully you can get a ton out of it. Just a heads up. There were a lot of insights, much more than I even remembered off the top of my head. So we're going to split this into two parts. This will be part one, which is going to cover my insights from three sessions from November of 2020 until March of 2021. And then next week, I'm going to cover from April 2021 to November 2022. Now, these are going to be roughly split into two topics because this is kind of how the the journey went. The first three sessions I did with him were really focused on my service business, my design agency, and um, topics around that. And then pretty much everything after that is going to be more about building a personal brand, online education, social media, stuff like that. So that'll be covered in part two. Um, I'm still listening through some of those lessons, and uh, I will have those for you next week. So if you don't know who Chris Doe is, other than him being my business coach, he is an Emmy award-winning designer. He is the CEO and founder of The Future, who you can check out on YouTube and on their website, which is thefuture.com, T-H-E-F-U-T-U-R.com. I've been working with him as a coach for over two years. And uh, yeah, drop him on a, a follow on Instagram or on YouTube if if you haven't followed him yet. But I want to share some of the insights that he has offered me because in a lot of ways, these coaching sessions have been insanely, insanely impactful. So my history with Chris is I've been working with him since November of 2020. I originally reached out to him after I, over the years, I'd purchased some of his digital products that his company sold, um, trainings around design, creative business, things like that. And obviously, you know, I watched his videos on YouTube and stuff. And I wanted to get some help with my design agency originally. But over time, as things kind of evolved, because I had some really specific problems there, um, it turned into consulting on personal brand as well. Now, when I was booking with Chris, his coaching sessions were billed out at $1,000 an hour. It's a great investment because if you were to book with him now, you could go on his website and hire him. It is $5,000 an hour. So I feel like <laughs> I got in at the right time. So leading up to that time in 2019, in my agency, I made $121,000. And then in 2020, when I first started working with him, I had a pretty significant leap in, in revenue. I leaped all the way to $420,000 that year, which was quite a large jump um, as a result of implementing some things. But by the time I was working with Chris, it was November. So most of that was already baked in. Um, Profit-wise, it was take home maybe around $300,000 or, you know, we'll say the business expenses were 120. dollars So I was already on track for a great year. 
and we did our first two sessions in I think maybe November and December and I still had about $126,000 left in my business bank account. So I made the decision I was like, okay, this is extremely valuable. Um, I want to lock this in. I feel like this is underpriced. And I ended up spending some of that money because at the end of the year, you know, you want to try to have as many business expenses as possible. So I ended up booking an additional eight sessions with Chris at the price of $1,000 each. So that is where I got the total of $10,000. Um, that's 10 sessions. I actually still have one left. I'll probably use it very soon. But the I've spread out these sessions over two plus years, so from November 2020 to now. Now, what I wanna talk about before we get into some of the insights and, and things that happened during our lessons is the value of coaching. Because more often than not, you know, when you say, oh my, you know, I hired a business coach and they cost this amount of money and, you know, $1,000 an hour is not really at the high end. To be honest, people are charging much, much more. Um, but the thing you hear is like people are like, oh, coaching's a scam. Coaching is just coaches, coaching coaches on how to become a coach. <laughs> and uh, if you have a business, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, I generally find that when I hire the right person and I do my due diligence, it often returns five, 10, you know, sometimes even 50 the investment and it can be really worth it. But the key is that you have to find the right people and then the good coaching and education will save you time and make you money. So what I generally recommend for people is if you're trying to find someone to either consult or, or be a coach or help you with your business, number one is find someone who has what you want. Um, so in Chris's instance, he had built a really successful agency and it looked like um, you know, in some ways he had removed himself from the operations of that. So that was obviously really helpful. And I've heard him talk about it. So I knew that he had experience and was an expert. Um, so that's, that's number one. And then I think the second recommendation that people make mistake people make is that they don't come prepared. Every time I hire someone and to be clear, I regularly hire coaches and consultants on a variety of topics. And it has been, it's literally like paying to skip the line. Um, Cause you can find the information out for free. You know, you can make the mistakes yourself, but the idea is that you want to hire someone who can download all these life lessons and business lessons and best practices into your brain in an hour instead of you learning the lessons the hard way over six months. So I've hired consultants. Obviously, I've worked with Chris. Um, I've also hired people for assistance with my course, with email marketing, with automation, with um, landing page copy, um, my agency, sponsorship consulting, copywriting. So I really believe that like, in some ways, maybe coaching is not even the best word because I think of it like hiring a business consultant. And everyone I know who's doing six figures or more is spending money to learn from others. If you talk to anyone who is at that level, it is rare that someone will tell you, no, I just get, I, I just go online and I watch YouTube videos and I figure everything out for free. Cause at a certain point, your time becomes more valuable than your money. And what you lose from trying to figure it out on your own is not worth the money to hire an expert to tell you how they did it. So other recommendations for coaching 
The second one is make sure you come prepared. In my opinion, you should be spending at least as much time preparing for the coaching as the time of the session. So you wouldn't know this, but any coach that's worked with me knows I, I come prepared, I put together a document, I have my questions, I have all of my numbers prepared. Because the last thing that you wanna do, especially if you're spending $1,000 an hour, is to get in there and then be like, okay, um, let me like log into my company bank account so I can tell you how much money we made last year. So I always have all the documentation ready. I know what questions I wanna ask. I know what challenges I have. And then I have the pieces of data that I think they're gonna need in order to help me solve that problem. And then the last recommendation, which believe it or not, I think is the thing that people <laughs> have the most trouble with, is that you have to implement, implement the information that you get. It is not enough to just sit down and say, okay, well, thank you for all this information. It was extremely valuable and then not take action. Um, coaching really becomes valuable when action is taken. All right, so let's talk about me working with Chris. Getting ready for the call. November, 2020, just for context where I was in my life, I was not on social media at all. Um, I didn't have this business. I you know, I had solved a lot of the problems that I ended up going on to talk about and teach people. So my business was pretty, pretty streamlined. Um, I think at the time I was working about 20 hours a week. So I had done a lot of the groundwork um, that I now teach people online, but I still had some holes that I felt like I needed to fix in order to really get to the next level. So if you ever book with Chris, you'll know that to prepare for the call, you have to have a bunch of stuff ready. So he actually asks you to prepare stuff for the call. And what Chris asks, here's the list. He asks for a year's worth of revenue. So he wants to know how much you made in the last year. For me, leading up to that, it was $420,000 that year. He asks what your monthly overhead is. Um, so whether you have any monthly expenses. So that would be staff, um, office space, things like that, software. Um, and for my business, it was effectively zero. There was probably a little bit, but I was working from home. I mean, this was still basically during COVID and I didn't have any full-time employees. So there wasn't any overhead where it was like, okay, every month I have to pay X person. I would pay freelancers and stuff and developers, but it was never locked in. He also asked how much money do you have saved in the bank? At the time I had about a hundred grand in my company bank account. And he also asks for the average size of your engagement. So what's the average client project that you're working on? Um, I have all these notes here, right? I told you I took notes. At that time, I had four main clients on retainer, which were working out to an effective hourly rate between 210 to $1,500 an hour. Now that's not what they were getting billed out as, that's just my time, because I was leveraging freelancers and other team members and stuff. And uh, then I had a handful of other projects that were not on retainer, um, but I wasn't doing anything less than an effective hourly rate of $250 an hour. Um, I had just recently took on a website project somewhere between 50 and 70K. And I was working about, in Q3 of 2020, according to my time tracking, I worked 18.5 hours a week that week. Okay, and then Chris also asks for your three objectives and goals for the call that you would like help with. And the three 
objectives I had for our first call. And then everything is kind of built from there. And, you know, as, as you go, things get less structured in terms of how the sessions go, because you get to know each other. They kind of already have the context. Um, but the questions that I had were question one was I wanted advice on scaling my design business. At that point, I felt like I was maxed out on doing pretty much everything myself. Um, I was mostly delegating to just people who had skills that I didn't have. So I was delegating out to things that I was bad at or couldn't do, but I was not delegating things that I was good at. So I was not, I had not unlocked delegating design and the things that I felt like were my real area of competence. And at that point, you know, with how many hours I wanted to work, I didn't want to scale by just taking on more work every week. So I wanted to talk to Chris about how I could scale without doing it all myself. Second question I had was advice on hiring talent. One of the things I was really struggling with at that time was giving up control in my business and managing my teams. At that point, I had this limiting belief that it would actually be more stressful to hire hire freelancers and manage people and have to, you know, correct their bad work if it didn't work out and uh, that that would actually be more difficult, more time consuming, more stressful than if I just did the work myself. Um, in my actual notes, <laughs> I said, I this is a quote for me, I don't want to transition to jockeying a bunch of freelancers when I can do it myself. <laughs> uh, that's funny. If you've taken my course, you know that I feel completely different now, but that was, you know, two, two and a half plus years ago. I did not feel that way. And I felt like there was a problem, which was that my efficiency and all the systems that I built finally created a bottleneck where like I was the biggest thing in the way of me making more money and freeing up any more time. And then the third question that I had, which was an interesting question in hindsight, was I was looking towards the long term and I kind of want to just talk to him about like, what would it look like to create passive income from design? And if you know me now, I, you know, realize that there is no such thing as passive income. Um, there is work where you do the work upfront and then you get paid for a long time into the future. Um, but nothing is truly passive. There is, <laughs> unless you're, you know, sticking money in the S and P 500 and just waiting 30 years. Um, that's about as passive as it gets, but you still had to do work to make that money. Um, but I wanted to talk to him about, we'll say leveraged income from design where it was not client work and it was not something where you do it once and you get paid and that's it. Um, so, you know, more of a build once and sell twice model. And at that point I had no ideas about what that would even look like, what I would want to do. Um, but that'll actually come up in the second, um, episode about this. Okay. So let's talk about some of the lessons that I learned from Chris, because I have a lot, <laughs> a lot here that I want to talk about and download to you. And, uh, let's start at the very beginning. So if you've heard me talk about working with Chris online, one of the things that I always talk about is that the first thing that he did pretty early on in our conversation was he gave me one thing that easily paid for the session by itself, the first session at $1,000 with just one one thing. And it went on to save my business 
maybe six figures, easily, easily fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Um, and what that was was I got there with Chris and we started talking about how my business works and you know. I was talking about how one of the things that I don't do is development and I've always worked with web developers and he said, you know, what are your costs? How much are you paying for, for web developers? And we talked about it. And at that point that year I was making $420,000 in revenue, about 300 K was profit. And I was spending a lot of that money um, on web development because at the time the development projects that we were doing were pretty, um, complicated. You know, I was working with experts. It was not just like I can go on Fiverr and find someone <laughs> to do it. You know, these were high level. I think if most of these developers were at a company, they would be making, uh, you know, multiple six figures. Um, so this was not just like dinky web development for a landing page site. And we talked about this and what Chris did was he referred me to a development team that he had worked with and that many of his other clients had worked with. And that referral paid for its session by itself. It's easily saved me probably six figures since we started working with him. And the first project I tested them out on, I was originally gonna have to pay seven grand for this project. And this team came in at 2,700 and they did a perfect job, maybe even better. Their documentation was really on point. And there's a huge, huge lesson in here, which is that sometimes <laughs> it's just that easy. When you find the right person who has the solution to your problem, and especially if you have a business, um, the, the right solution to the right problem can be worth a ton of money with not a lot of effort, which goes back to why I'm always saying like hourly billing doesn't really make sense because it isn't pricing in the value that's created here. I mean, think about it. I paid Chris $1,000. And in this instance, he pretty much through one referral, one piece of information generated six figures in value for my business. Sometimes it's that easy. Other times it's not. But this has happened to me more often than not where it's like, hey, I just need this piece of information and I know that if you can help me with this, then it's automatically going to unlock this amount of money. I'll give you another example from a coaching session that I did recently because I am still doing this. It's like, if I can just break one limiting belief, if you're sitting here being like, uh, coaching is not worth it, it's a scam, whatever. I worked with a coach slash consultant two days ago. And what's cool is we actually recorded this session. It's going to be on his YouTube channel. So look out on Workless Wednesday when it goes live. It'll probably be in a couple of weeks. And I hired this guy $500 an hour. All I needed from him was about 30 seconds of information in order to make the session worthwhile. Um, I'm in a sponsorship negotiation. I did not know how to handle some specific terms around a sponsorship. And I did not know where, you know, how to price it, how to structure it, how to make sure that, you know, it was fair. So I called this guy up, booked a session with him, got that information, paid for the entire session in, you know, maybe <laughs> two minutes. And then plus I got to talk to him for 58 other minutes about other things in my business. Um, so sometimes it's just that easy, but other times more often than not, it's going to require implementation. And most of the other stuff that I learned from Chris are things that I had to apply 
to my business. So second lesson that I learned from Chris. At this point, I believe I had implemented as a policy my minimum rate. Now, you probably heard me talk about on social media that I have a minimum rate in my agency. It's $60,000. That would be $60,000 for one project or as a retainer over 12 months at $5,000 a month or some combination of the two. So a $30,000 project plus an ongoing $2,500 a month retainer. That's the minimum. We do not take on projects for less than that. I can't remember necessarily whether I had that in writing and dialed in then, but for the most part, the clients I was trying to take on were above that. So we were talking a lot in our session about high ticket clients and how working with big clients is an entirely different conversation than small ones. And we went on to have this really interesting conversation about what you can do to retain high ticket clients and why for them often the value of customer service is so much more important. Like in a lot of ways with expensive clients, sure, you're providing whatever it is, the service that you're creating. So the design, the deliverables, right? Like if you're doing branding, it's the logo, it's the collateral, it's all the assets and the things that come with it. But what they're really paying for a lot of the time is they are paying for strategy. So they're paying for your thinking, how your brain works, what you know about the marketplace, your experience, how you can help them make money, how you can help them manage risk. And they're paying, believe it or not, for an experience. And I think that that is a place that people really miss out on the ability to go above and beyond and to get clients to work with them and love them and want to work with them for years and years. My business, most clients stay with me for three plus years on average. I have some that have been with me for nine, um, but most of them are two years or more at this point. It's because one of the things that I think is really important is not only the service, but the strategy and the experience. And for high ticket clients, it's not enough to just say you're going to do something and then do it. And what Chris taught me was you have to go beyond that and create these kind of just personal high touch things. Um, And he said, listen, it's not about money. It's not about going and like (laughs) buying them some luxury goods and bringing it to their office and saying, here you go. You know, I thought about you. It's about personal things that are high touch and they're more high effort, not money. So Chris said that if you can just send out an extra eighth of an inch um, for these clients, you know, something for an anniversary or a birthday or something unexpected or just a handwritten note, um, you are going to stand out so much compared to all the other vendors and people that they're working with and that they're going to want to stay with you and keep working with you um, and just stand out. And I think that that is such an important distinction and something that I've really carried into my business and that I continue to do not only with the agency, but with how to work less in the course and with my clients is how can I not only provide the service, but provide an experience and provide a transformation. So in my course, if you haven't taken it, you wouldn't know this, 
but everyone who takes the course, I send out a personalized video to everyone who enrolls, usually within about 24 hours of them signing up. And that's just one of the ways that I can say, hey, listen, you know, you just spent what most people would consider to be a decent amount of money with me. I want you to know that I care about your success, that I noticed that you just enrolled in this and that we're gonna work together to make sure that we reach your goals and we get you to that transformation. We also do this in the agency with our formal onboarding process and we have some other things in place like a client dashboard, welcome emails, the onboarding videos, all this good stuff. And this is all going back to something that I, I feel like maybe I was lacking that Chris really kind of showed me, which is that value of customer service and retention for high ticket clients, because I really want to work with clients for years, not months. Next thing that I learned from Chris, referrals as a way to scale. This is huge. More often than not, with service businesses that I see, people that take my course, people that I talk to on online, um, in my business for a while, is there is not a predictable system in place to get new clients. And what Chris told me about is how you can create a referral system, which is a repeatable process for getting referrals. So often the active work that most people do is outbound leads, right? They, they try to get outbound leads. So they do cold email, um, they post on social media, they um, you know reach out to people. But the best clients in my experience and what I see with people tend to come from referrals, from other business owners, from happy customers. And the problem with referrals is that they are inconsistent. They just show up randomly. There is no predictability. There is no process behind it. And Chris told me that there is a way to create a referral system where you turn your inbound, so your referrals, into a repeatable process. And the way that you do it, and this is how he explained it to me, is one, you have to start asking for referrals much more than you're currently comfortable with. Most people maybe mention it in passing once throughout the entire engagement of working with a client. And that is the totally total wrong way to do it. You wanna ask for referrals, number one, at the peak of the engagement. So this is when things are at their emotional peak. It's not when the contract ends, but it's when things are most exciting, like when the website goes live, but maybe you still have a couple months of tweaking and optimizing. You wanna do it when the website launches. You wanna do it when the brand, the logos get approved. At the peak of the engagement, when everyone is most excited. And the script that Chris recommended back then was he was just saying this, I wrote it down. He said, I'm expanding my business for 2021. I'm adding capacity. I enjoyed working with you. I hope everything is going great with the work that we've done. And I'm looking for additional clients just like you. If you could refer someone, I'd truly appreciate it. And that's all you say. And the key here is 
in addition to asking at the peak of the engagement, you want to create a calendar and a process for regularly reaching out to current and previous clients and track them in a database and reach out to them regularly. Just send them an email, say, hey, how's it going? Just letting you know, I'm looking for other clients. I hope the work is going great. If you could refer someone, I'd truly appreciate it. And this has been huge for my business because um, it allowed to create something that was previously extremely valuable, but unpredictable and created predictability around it. Because what I find is like most customers want to give you referrals and they want to help you out, but they're just not thinking about you. As they go through their day, you're not top of mind. But when you have a regular system in place where you say, hey, every three months, I reach out, say, you know, how's it going? You got any other work we could help you with? Do you have any, you know, people you've been talking to who might need some work? It keeps you top of mind. And implementing this in my business has been insanely, insanely helpful. And it's one of the best ways that when I talk to people who have an established business and already have clients, I recommend that they get this thing up and running ASAP because it's really a system that compounds over time. All right, so one of the other things that I learned from Chris and that I wanna talk about was related to this question that I had, the other goal of hiring talent. So those first two were really around scaling my business um, and how I can continue to grow it. And he talked about you know, really focusing on retention and customer service and referrals as a way to scale. Second question I had was advice on hiring talent and how to kind of deal with freelancers and and give up control. And this was really, really significant because I felt like, and maybe you felt this way as well. I know when, when we go through the course, I, I teach an entire lesson on how to hire, vet, uh, work with, and manage freelancers. And I had some pieces of the puzzle, but Chris gave me a lot of the really great unlocks here. And for me, this was like the final unlock in my business that really cut my working hours in half. So after I got this information and I took action on it and I implemented it, it got my working hours in my agency from 20 hours a week down to 10 or less. And I felt like this was the eureka moment where I was it was like a quantum leap because I had systems, I had speed, I had sales, I had clients, um, and I just needed to unlock delegating things that I was good at and that I was already doing because I knew how to delegate stuff I didn't know how to do, right? I'm not an accountant. It's pretty intuitive to say, well, I have to hire an accountant or I'm not a web developer. I don't know how to code, but giving up those tasks that I can do was the real final unlock. And the problem that I mentioned to Chris, and this is actually from the notes from the session, was I had I really struggled with giving up control. And I had worked with a couple of freelancers and I had the experience that many people run into where the first person that they hire doesn't work out, the work isn't up to our standard, they maybe are poor communicators, or there's a million things that could potentially go wrong. And the lesson that I took away from it was, oh, um, yeah, hiring freelancers doesn't work. They don't know what they're doing. They're inexperienced. They don't know how to communicate. It's faster if I do it myself. So what I told Chris was I struggled with giving up control. I didn't know if I wanted to manage the team. Um, and, you know, even though I was super efficient, I felt like I kind of hit a bottleneck with my time. So what Chris told me, really kind of 
opened things up and reframed how I thought about bringing on freelancers and expanding my team in a way that made sense. Now, first, I have this concept that I talk about in the course. It's called low risk delegation. And it's this framework for delegating that I think is really, really useful. Um, and it has to do with, you know, in a small business, rarely does it make sense if you do the numbers and you think about managing risk, rarely does it make sense to hire full time until you get to a certain point. Um, and all of my delegation has historically been with freelancers for that reason. Because with low risk delegation, you can scale up and pay more money with freelancers when you have more work. And then when you're less busy, because it's often cyclical and very lumpy revenue over the course of the year, you can scale down. So you're only paying when you need the work as opposed to hiring, which is what most people do as soon as they get a chunk of money. They're like, well, the next thing I should do is hire. And you end up paying a fixed expense forever. So the price of <laughs> you will never pay less than the salary of your hired employee. But with a freelancer, you scale it with how much work you have going on. So that's why I really liked working with freelancers, but I could not find anyone <laughs> that was gonna do it the way that I wanted them to do it. So Chris really kind of blew things open with this concept. So the way he described it is that it is a volume game with freelancers. You cannot just find the first person that looks okay and expect them to work out perfectly. He said it's a volume game where your goal is not to find one person that's good, but that to, is to test a bunch of people and to build up a roster and to test often and fire often and to spend money to find out who is good, who works well with you, who's available and really focus, like think about it like you're building a team or a roster. And that was a completely different approach for me. So the, the homework he gave me in that, that session was he said, I want you to go online and I want you to actually find 10 freelancers that you're interested in. In this instance, it was designers first, and I want you to reach out to them. I want you to go on, you know, portfolio websites, Behance, Dribble, Upwork, you know, check out social media, whatever you want. And I want you to find 10 freelancers and reach out to them and create a Google Doc. And I want you to start going through this process of testing them, vetting them, putting them on very tiny projects. So say I'm willing to pay $200 to test this person out. Um, so I'm gonna give them a couple of hours of work and see how they do it. And the ones that pass the test or do a good job, you wanna stick around with them. And the ones that don't, you just let them go. And what you'll find is that when you find the one or two freelancers from that batch of 10 that are all-stars, you're gonna to wanna to work with them all the time. And they're gonna be a massive unlock for your business. So when I started doing this across many areas, not just design, but editors and animators and you know all kinds of roles that I was either doing myself or trying to figure out someone else to do it, I found a team of all-stars. This is like 10 to 15 people who I work with regularly and this was the biggest unlock in my business, was realizing that I was in the right direction, but I was not applying enough volume and not doing enough testing to get there. So while it was more upfront work, 
in the long term, it saved me so much time, made me so much money, and it was a huge, huge game changer for my business. It was like the last missing piece of the puzzle. So the other thing that came up in my convo with Chris around freelancers and the team, and after this, I'll talk about managing freelancers and how to do that. But I had this limiting belief around sharing information, which is ironic now, <laughs> just due to the fact that, you know, I am really transparent about sharing all of my private information, which I, I wasn't at the time. And I was talking to him about how I felt uncomfortable sharing quote unquote private information with freelancers. So it would be like, you know, how much money am I making? What's the deal with the client? What's the contract? What's the full project? And I was kind of like keeping them in the dark about more than I needed to. And what Chris said, this is his quote. He said, my own experience has been that people given enough information, make better decisions and act in a more responsible way when there is greater transparency. So in a lot of ways I was defeating what I was trying to do by, you know, kind of trying to shield the freelancers from the full extent of the project or the full budget. And, you know, I had this fear that like, oh, if they knew what the total amount of the project was, you know, they would want me to pay more money or whatever. And I've always done my pricing with freelancers really, really simple and transparent, which is that it doesn't matter what the price of the project is. Um, I'm going to pay them what they charge and those two numbers are unrelated. So when I kind of interview them and talk to them up front, I just ask them like, hey, you know, what do you like to charge? And I don't negotiate. Um, I just pay them what their rate is. And I think that makes it much easier because they're defining what they charge. And then they are not like, oh, well, you don't have the budget for me here, but I still need money, so I'll do it for less. Like, I don't want that to happen. And then also, if I have a big project, I don't want them to be like, oh, I'm, I know you have a ton of money, so just pay me more for work that I would normally do for, for less. Um, so that's something I talked about with Chris. And the beauty of this is that when you give people more information and you're more transparent, uh, communication gets better. And people make better decisions because they have more context about the overall project. Because there's a huge difference. I'll give you a you know a logo design project as an example. If I say just you know create this logo for me, it's for this company, and I don't give them the 10 pages of strategy documents that we put together with the team, or I don't give them all the context of the conversation with the client, they are only working with you know 20% of the puzzle. And when they get all the information, they can deliver better quality work and be kind of more empowered to do the right thing. So that was huge for me. And uh, you know, things have really changed in that respect where I do try to be much more open and share all that information with the people that are working on the project so they know exactly what they're getting into, what the big picture looks like. And honestly, the work is just better. So last thing that I wanna cover from these first three lessons with Chris. Um, so the things that we really talked about was I wanted to know about scaling and I wanted to know about hiring talent and managing freelancers. And we got into a conversation about managing freelancers and he gave me this really, really useful framework um, which he calls coaching the gap. And oftentimes, 
you end up in this situation where you hire a freelancer, you find their portfolio online, the work looks great, and you get them into a project and it is not client ready when they're done. What they submit to you is not quite where you want it to be. And previously when that would happen, I would get extremely, extremely frustrated and be like, Jesus, like I could have just done this myself. It would have been done faster. I would have been done exactly the way that I want it. Like someone read my brain and he was like, that is a a huge mistake. And the key unlock here is you have to think about coaching the gap. So for the first project that you work with them, more often than not, they will probably get you to, if you, if they're worth continuing to work with, they'll get you to about 80% of where the project needs to be. And that is a good thing Um, because what you should do after that is coach the gap, which is sit down with them. The way that I do it is I don't do these things in person. Um, I will pull up the design file and I'll hit record on Loom and I'll open up their design and I'll say, hey, listen, great work. Um, There are a handful of things that need to be addressed here before I consider this to be client ready. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through these and I'm going to make the edits myself, show you how I do it, explain what I'm thinking about when I do it so that next time, you know, hopefully you will make different mistakes because I have no problem with people making mistakes. That is something that is just part of life. And I want people to experiment and try new things. But what I don't want to see from my freelancers is the same mistakes over and over again. So they'll watch this video and ideally they learn something. So the next project we close that gap and the next one they hand in is 90% client ready. And this is coaching the gap is helping them to fill in the pieces of information and the context and the things that they need to know in order to get to the place where they can deliver a project that is mostly client ready. Now, after doing this for a handful of years, what I've found is that most things are not 100% client ready. I do get them. I do have some designers who have been working with a client for a while. They know what I want. They know what I'm looking for. And there's no greater feeling than opening up their file, being like, yes, perfect, and sending it right out with no edits. More often than not, when I coach the gap, I get people to 95 to 98% of the way there after we go through these rounds a couple times where I record the videos. And this doesn't take long. You know, it takes five, 10 minutes. And they get better each time and they learn what the client needs and they'd learn, you know, what my weird quirks and (laughs) things are. And we just want to measure the progress over time, not the result, because the goal is to get closer and closer and closer to quote unquote client ready. And this has been a huge, huge game changer is coaching the gap and realizing that like, just because it's not perfect on round one does not mean you give up on them. Now, with that being said, if they give you something that is not even close, the best thing that you can do is to let them go. Um, So when you do that first test and it's 20% of the way there, you say, sorry, it didn't work out. I'm still going to pay you, Um, but we're probably not going to work together in the future. And what Chris also said is, you know, the difference between what can be fixed and what can't be fixed with a freelancer is the baseline expectation is that they know the tools, they have a great attitude, and they can take direction well. These three things are not negotiable. You should not be teaching them, you know, how to use the pen tool. You should not be teaching them, you know, how to open up a piece of software or link some files together or whatever. Um, obviously having a good attitude and taking direction so that we can implement this coaching the gap 
strategy with them. And uh, yeah, that has been absolutely game-changing for working with freelancers. And I find that within a couple of rounds of this, they get really good really fast. And most of these issues that normally, like the big mistake people make is they receive something from someone that they delegated to, they fix it themselves, and they don't have the feedback loop of telling them, this is what I changed, this is why I changed it, and this is what I expect you to do differently next time. They just take the file, say thank you, and then they you know, go in and they're annoyed and they're like, oh, I gotta fix this, and they send it to the client and there's no feedback there. And what do they expect happens next time? You know, no changes because no one learned anything. And the goal with all of this has been to get things out of my brain and into other people's brains so that I can, you know, remove myself from parts of the business. Because the, the secret is that you really can't delegate if all of your trade secrets are in your head. And that was where I, I came to Chris in these first couple of sessions where everything was in my brain. You know, the documentation was not there. I had a ton of systems. I had templates. You know, I had all these processes, but they were not in writing and they were not in a situation where other people could access them. Um, so that's where I really started this process of documentation and writing SOPs and, you know, playbooks and things like that. And yeah, this was a massive, massive shift. So when I got these freelancers dialed in, I figured out the volume game and how to manage them by coaching the gap. It was like the final unlock in my agency. And that cut me down to, you know, from 20 hours a week to 10 or less. And after three sessions doing that, implementing this, hiring up the team and feeling really good about it, uh, I ended up in our fourth session where I was like, okay, I've got a lot of free time and this is a good problem to have. I really want to think about like what's next. And if I'm going to use some of this extra time that I freed up, how can I use it to create something else that's leveraged that doesn't require, because the problem with client work is the second you stop doing it, you will not, you'll not make any more money. Uh, the money turns off the second you stop working for your clients. Whereas the things that I was going to talk to him about and what kind of Chris would explain to me in the future sessions was about, you know, creating products and building an audience um, and building assets that you put the work in up front because there's no way around that. And it continues to pay you back for years and years to come. And I think that's really a great place to leave this one off. So this covers my first three sessions, November 2020 to March 2021. Next week, I'm going to cover April 2021 to November 2022. And that will be all around building a personal brand, those insights, and how I went through that process. There's a lot of really, really good stuff to cover there. Um, but because I started my journey with Chris really focused on the agency and creative services and my business, I wanted to start this lesson there. So that's it. I hope this was super helpful. It was insightful for me to go back and listen to, you know, where I was just, what was that? Two and a, two and a half years ago. You can make an insane, insane amount of progress in two and a half years. I, when I did my first session with Chris, I had no followers on social media. This entire business didn't exist. Um, so if you can just extend your timeline out a little bit and put the work in, you know, on a consistent basis, and it doesn't have to be long days, it just needs to be consistent. Um, 
you can do some pretty amazing stuff in just a couple of years. So I'm going to wrap this up. A quick call to action for you. If you enjoy these episodes, do me a favor, whatever podcast platform you're listening to them on, give me five stars, leave a review, let me know that you like it. And uh, if you want to work with me, there's two ways that you can do it. If you like this podcast, you might like working with me. I have a free course online. If you haven't taken it, it's called Six Figure Solopreneur Systems. It dives into some of the real systems in my business that I've implemented. It's totally free, seven emails over seven days. You can get that at startbuildingsystems.com. And then cohort five of How to Work Less, my signature course, is starting on September 4th. There is a wait list right now at learn.howtoworkless.com. Highly recommend if you're even slightly interested in getting on the wait list. It is very valuable financially to be on the wait list. Um, So if you're considering it, don't wait until the launch week to sign up. And uh, a question that I get a lot, and I'll, I'll wrap things up here, is if you go on my website, you'll see that I had coaching listed for a while. And I used to do one-on-one coaching myself and actually shut it down. So you'll see if you go on my site that I'm no longer taking on coaching clients. And why did I stop doing that? Well, 90% of what I discussed in my one-on-one sessions is covered in extreme detail with resources and examples in my course. So I made this rule with myself that like, rather than getting on calls and helping one person and repeating (laughs) the lesson that I I teach three times a year in the cohort. Um, I want people to just join the course, get the information that way, and then they can book one-on-one with me. So now the only one-on-ones I do are with graduates of the course and previous coaching clients who were working with me before I kind of created this policy. So if you're interested in coaching, unfortunately, I, <laughs> I do not have anything that you could book immediately, but you should definitely take my course if these problems seem relevant to you. But you can always hire Chris Doe because for the low price, and honestly, I believe it's worth it, of $5,000 an hour, you can hire Chris and he'll hopefully solve all your problems for you. But as you can see, you know, I had a steal when I paid for him at a thousand an hour. And I hope that I was able to download some of these insights to you so that you can use them in your business. And I'm going to wrap it there. I hope you have an incredible week. Stay tuned next week where I break down part two and we go into things around social media, building a brand and yeah, have a lovely week. I'll talk to y'all soon.